Christopher Plummer just died. Rip. Which is sad. We've been watching a lot of Sound of Music in our house, and I, I see his face every day. Mm, great actor. Yeah, great singer. We did not plan to have this episode until the whole season was done, but we thought, well, enough crazy things have transpired in the show. And that, in real life. And in real life. That we should do it now. This was my doing. I brought Gabe in here. Woke me up just to talk. <laughs> it's like, Gabe, Gabe, we gotta talk. It is crazy. Might be the craziest thing that's ever happened in the MCU. Yeah, for so many reasons. Anyway, with four episodes left in the series, we thought it would be pertinent to discuss WandaVision and where it's at right now. The mid-season podcast. And also, we don't have to watch the four episodes to know that we would recommend it regardless. So this is the first thing from Marvel that we've seen in a year and a half. The last thing we saw was Spider-Man Far From Home, um, which sort of was an epilogue to Avengers Endgame. And that was a great movie. Left a huge cliffhanger. Can't wait for December when Spider-Man 3 comes out, hopefully. This December? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But WandaVision is the first thing we've seen from the Marvel Universe. A bunch of stuff has got delayed. Black Widow... Oh, yeah, that movie hasn't come out yet. Black Widow, Eternals. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier was another Disney Plus TV show that got delayed and was actually supposed to come out before WandaVision. Anyway, so WandaVision is out, and it is uh, it's kind of a sensation. I feel like a lot of people are talking about it, even people who aren't huge Marvel Cinematic Universe fans are discussing this because i think it's you know a lot of people are just still waiting for the pandemic to be over waiting for movie theaters to open again and they got nothing else to do but watch i heard elizabeth olsen who plays wanda was the number one searched actor on imdb wow because of this show um, which is really interesting so it is creating quite a buzz and anyway we're here to talk about it because uh we just watched episode five which is entitled on a very special episode. So what time, what section of the history of American television are we in? Oh. So WandaVision, every episode so far is sort of taking place in a decade of the latter half of the 20th century for American serialized television. We had the 50s, the 60s. The 70s was the third episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first one in color, right? Yeah. And now we're in the 80s. Yeah. This one was the 80s, which is that cheesy opening was so funny. It's like family ties and yeah. stuff. <laughs> Super funny. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot to talk about, but most of it's spoilers. So let me say this about WandaVision before we get into spoiler territory. This show, like I said, is the first thing we've seen in the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, since Spider-Man Far From Home. It's the first thing that we've seen that is part of phase four, which is... Marvel and Disney, when they're planning their movies and television shows that will be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they look at them in phases, and phase three ended with Spider-Man Far From Home. So this is the first thing we've seen from phase four that's supposed to be sort of setting up, or is at least supposed to be some sort of launch about what they're going to do in the future after Avengers Endgame and stuff. So we pick up at the start of the show, and it seems like we're watching some sort of sitcom, like Gabe said, from the 50s. And the next episode is a sitcom from the 60s, and then it goes to the 70s and 80s, like you said. But that's not all that's happening. There's more underneath the sitcom kind of aspect to the show. Um, It's interesting because we, as the viewer in real life, are watching the sitcom going, oh, this is kind of cute. 
it's it's a very classic kind of I Love Lucy situational comedy, and the writing's really good, and it feels like a 50s sitcom. But then it literally changes aspect ratios and transfers into what would be known like as the cinematic ratio, which I think is uh, 189. I might be wrong about that, but the black bars come up from the top and the bottom instead of the left and the right, and it changes color even, and it's a little bit grittier, a little bit darker, and it's more cinematic, and we pick up in the real life of the show, and we start figuring out what's actually transpiring and why uh, we as the viewer have been watching the sitcom. So that's as much as we'll tell you. Now we're going to launch into spoiler territory. But before we do... I thought it'd be fun to have Elizabeth Olsen herself explain the history of Scarlet Witch in the comics. I took this from an Allure video, and it's great. So here you go. Scarlet Witch first appeared in X-Men number four in May of 1964, where she and her brother Quicksilver were part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. That's right, she started out as a villain. Her power is to tap into the mystic powers of the universe, creating reality-disrupting chaos. Essentially, she can manipulate cosmic probability. Scarlet Witch then joined the Avengers a year later in Avengers number 16, and spent the next bunch of years kicking butt with them. In 1975, she met the Vision, a humanoid robot. She fell in love, got married, and all that lovey-dovey stuff that happens between a mutant and the android of her dreams. September of 1979, bombshell dropped. Scarlet Witch found out that her dad was none other than notorious X-Men villain Magneto. In Vision and the Scarlet Witch, volume two, number three, Scarlet and the Vision found out it was impossible for a human and an android to conceive. So, Scarlet Witch had her very own Marvel immaculate conception. She used magic to make herself pregnant and gave birth to twin boys. Then things went south. The Vision had his memory wiped. He and Scarlet got a divorce, and the twins turned out to be shards of the demon Mephisto. In Avengers Disassembled, Scarlet Witch then suffered a full-blown mental breakdown and attacked the Avengers. Ant-Man, Hawkeye, and the Vision all killed. Scarlet's rampage finally ended when she was put into a trance by Doctor Strange, played by none other than Benedict Cumberbatch, coming soon to a television interview. The Avengers and X-Men decided she was too dangerous to live, and in an act of self-preservation in House of M, Scarlet Witch created a new reality where mutants were the majority and Magneto was the ruler. But this too backfired, and Scarlet Witch was forced to take action, whispering the words, No more mutants. Causing over 90% of mutants to lose their powers. There was a ton of death. Scarlet Witch fled to Wondagore Mountain, disappearing from the world view. Seven years later, she started on her path to redemption in Avengers, the Children's Crusade number nine. Scarlet was key in defeating one of Marvel's all-time greatest villains, Doctor Doom. In Avengers vs. X-Men, she joined the Avengers to take down the X-Men, even helping eliminate the Phoenix, an ancient cosmic entity. She co-founded the Avengers Unity Division in Uncanny Avengers. Then in a huge shock, Scarlet Witch found out that she wasn't born a mutant. It turns out that Magneto is not her or Quicksilver's real father anyway. As you might be able to put together, you know, a lot of the stuff that she's talking about is transpiring in WandaVision or may transpire in the future. Anyway, this is where we're going to get into spoiler territory. So if you don't want to hear about what has happened so far in WandaVision, then this is where you stop. 
I was reading some theories about where they might go with this show, and it's some pretty exciting stuff. You probably know more than me, but based on like leaks for merchandise and stuff like that, people have been theorizing things. There's a lot of theories out there. If we're going to speculate, where do you think this show is going to go in the last four episodes? Setting up possibly the entire phase four. My theories are often unpopular, but usually correct. That's not a brag. (laughs) It's not a brag. It's a humble brag. I leave enough room in my theories to be wrong. Even Um, though you're barely wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But, But it could be happening. So far, my theory has been playing out exactly how... I would have written the show, which again, sounds really stupid saying out loud, but yeah, what I would have done and what is happening, I think is would have adapted the story from the comic books that is centered around Wanda called house of M. And in that comic book, it's established already from the sixties and Scarlet, Witch, her brother, Quicksilver, her dad, Magneto are mutants. And in this specific comic book that I think happened in the early 2000s. Um, she has had a lot of trauma in her life, as has Wanda in the show. And because of that trauma, and because of the deep pain that she's in, she starts to create an alternate reality. She's also not really in her right mind. She's not the Wanda that we have seen in the MCU, where she's happy and in love with Vision, and she's just trying to figure out her powers. She's kind of like losing her mind a little bit and going crazy because of the traumatic experiences that she's been through. And so in the comic book, she literally alters the reality of the Marvel Universe in the comic book. And it changes for a time, which I think was about a year, everyone's comic book storylines. So it affected Spider-Man comic books, Fantastic Four's comic books, X-Men's comic books. Everyone just starts living in this new reality. And there's only a handful of characters who know the truth that this is not the reality they should be living in. So here's what I think is happening in the show. And last night's episode was sort of confirmation that I was right because they started to talk about Wanda's powers and what she can actually do with her powers. And they even had Darcy say the line like, that shows quite a display of power that she's never shown before. Yeah, because when Wanda was first introduced to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they weren't allowed to say the word mutant to like explain that she was a mutant and this was her power, reality-altering powers. They had to sort of introduce her powers in a way that didn't really step on the feet of the Wanda from the comics that Fox had the rights to. So they're explaining that basically Wanda's powers are changing, that she's stronger. The discussion between Monica Rambeau, Darcy, and uh, Randall Park is like a discussion that fans would have about this character. Like, well, she she went up like toe-to-toe against Thanos and almost won. Well, yeah, but Captain Marvel could have done the same thing. Like, it's literally the thing that fans have been saying since watching Endgame. It's very meta. They wrote it into the show. But ultimately, what's happening, I think, is that they're expanding upon what Wanda can do with her powers, that she can actually change physical matter into reality, which I've been waiting for that scene for a long time because I was actually upset when Thanos used the reality stone for the first time in Infinity War. And it just looked like a projection of reality. It changed their perception of it, not the actual reality. But the reality stone is actually supposed to change reality. I'm sure that this discussion took place at Marvel, but ultimately this sort of reality changing is different from what the reality stone did. And they explained that in that scene. So for those of you that didn't catch that, 
it's a different sort of reality altering. Wanda's reality altering actually changes physical matter. Like you can change the clothes. She can change your mind. She can change anything into her own desire, including potentially even raising people from the dead, which was something that they talked about last night in last night's episode as well. Potentially. So Catherine Hahn, at one point, she seems to know what's going on being in this bubble that Wanda has set up that they're now calling the Hex, which is great because she's supposed to be a witch and she puts hexes on people. It's also hexagonally shaped. It's catching on. But that's also lingo from the comics. They would call her powers like hexes and stuff. So it's sort of funny that they're playing into that. I think the hexagonal shape, I think it was a red herring. How do you mean? Well, people were like, what does the hexagonal shape mean? No. I, I think it was just to just suit for the name. Yeah, suit the purposes that they needed to use the word hex. They're being cheeky. But Catherine Hahn, she kind of catches on. And when Wanda and Vision are having kind of a heated, they have a lot of heated conversations in this episode. She said something about just fixing the dog and raising it back from the dead. There's a dog that dies in this episode. And then Catherine goes, can you do that? And then, and then Wanda kind of stares off into the distance, I think because she thinks that she knows that she can, but she is trying to not display that sort of power. She's trying to keep her powers under control. Which is part of the House of M storyline. Her dad, Magneto, apart from all the trauma she's experienced in her life, her dad is trying to make her use her powers in a certain way and, you know, kind of control herself. And he's trying to control her. And she's like, I don't want to be controlled anymore. And so she wipes out mutants and changes the reality of Earth. Anyway, I think Wanda's discovering the type of power that she has in this series. And I think that she, she also knows to an extent the things that she can do. Anyway, the craziest thing that happened in this episode, apart from that explanation of the fact that her reality-altering powers are different from the reality stone that we saw in the last two Avengers movies, is that they incorporated Evan Peters' Quicksilver that was established outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe while Fox owned the rights to the X-Men franchise. And they took that version of Quicksilver and inserted it into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Also because now Disney owns all of Fox's franchise. They own the X-Men and everything that Fox did. They can do that. So Aaron Taylor Johnson did not reprise his role in this episode, but Evan Peters shows up as the Wanda that we have been following, her brother. Evan Peters is amazing. I think most people loved that iteration of Quicksilver more than the Aaron Taylor Johnson one anyway. So it's kind of a smart move in that regard. But that happening, that one instance of this character from these X-Men movies that have taken place since the year 2000, all the superhero movies that we've been watching from Fox, Fantastic Four, X-Men, the Spider-Man movies from Sony, it basically incorporates and canonizes all of those films into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and kind of opens the can of worms of the potentiality of what can happen in this in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. Like, everything is fair game. And my mind was blown when that happened. They did a similar thing in the, the Flash show, because the Flash deals with the multiverse a lot. Like, basically, it centers around that, the DC universe. But Ezra, Ezra Miller showed up oh, yeah. in the show <laughs> as his version of the Flash with Grant Gustin's version of the flash and they had this amazing little scene just crazy man anyway i was like oh my gosh i can't believe they just did that i knew about that as a spoiler about three weeks ago someone spoiled that evan peters might be in the show i was like oh that would be cool 
as a different version of Quicksilver, but I didn't think that he was actually going to show up as a replacement for Aaron Taylor Johnson and be recognized by Wanda as her brother. That was, that was kind of blew me away. I can't believe Marvel just did that. And yeah, so everything is fair game. I'm, I'm freaking out. That is why I was like, yeah, we have to record a podcast right now. Was that version of Quicksilver Magneto's son in Days of Future Past? Yeah. He was? Yeah. But there was no Wanda in that universe. He had a sister in that once in like oh, a yeah. senior tune, but she was like really, really young. She right. was like seven or eight. That's right. I don't know if they said her by name or not. They might have, but... It's interesting that the way the timelines work out too, because Days of Future Past was in the 80s, wasn't it? Which would be roughly the same time yeah. as this episode in... Yeah. Yeah. Where it's placed. That's true. That's a good call. I love when Evan Peters shows up, his accent. He's got that. Yeah. It's like East Coast or something. <laughs> he's... You got to hug your brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got that whole uh, grease thing happening. He's That's not what he sounded like, like a leather right? jacket. Before. I, I don't, no, no, yeah. no. He's playing into oh, her yeah. reality of being in the 80s sitcom. Yeah. Do you think Wanda is really in total control of the hex? Because um, she said she wasn't, but she could be lying. This is another popular theory that people think Catherine Hahn's character could be this character named Agatha Harkness. Yeah. Who is like a witch of some sort that works alongside characters like Mephisto. There have been. So Mephisto could be the big bad here. Okay. <laughs> there have been leaks. Speculations. Of toys from WandaVision of Mephisto. So people think Mephisto is hundred percent going to be in this show. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised because Mephisto plays a lot with fate and he usually comes to people that are in grief and he, he offers them a deal. I mean like, Hey, want to do this thing? Here's the thing. And then they're like, yeah, Satan. Sure. <laughs> Cause he's, he's literally Satan. <laughs> so I think Catherine Hahn could also be that character. People have said even that the white guy who's in charge of sword could be Mephisto. And people say that Mephisto exists in Westview and he was that stork that she couldn't disappear. That's why it couldn't disappear because and the, the red smoke kept appearing because that was Mephisto. Huh. So people think that Mephisto is going to be the big bad here or Agatha, the Catherine Hahn character. Okay. At this point, we're halfway through the show more, a little bit more than halfway. There's four episodes left. I don't think they need a big bad. I think they have enough to work with where Wanda's kind of getting lost in this. Vision's starting to figure it out, and he's like, am I alive? Am I not alive? What's happening to me? Well, this seems like a logical lead into the Multiverse of Madness Doctor Strange film. It is. Which I could mean, blow it ultima- up the It ultimately phase. is. Like, they could totally do the, like, post credit scene for this show where it's like, it's me, Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> like Thanos at the end of, whatever, Avengers or something. Yeah. It's like he does the, the post credits, you know. Yeah, feels like this could be like the first. We could we could just blow the doors off. There's unlimited possibilities at this point, so yeah. I, I'm not I'm not so dogmatic to say this is exactly what's going to happen. But I think we're obviously in some sort of House of M scenario where Wanda is in control to an extent. Yeah, I think that is very apparent. You know, as she walked in and out of the hex. Yeah, she walked in and out of the <laughs> hex, and she's like, "Don't come into my home. This is your last warning." Her accent's back, by the way, in this. Yeah. It's like, that's a that's an accent. Sokovian accent. Don't come into the Higgs. <laughs> Don't hex me. Don't make me kill you. I come Transylvania. <laughs> she, what's her face? Elizabeth Olsen said the accent never truly went away. She said she had a conversation with every director that she's worked with about that accent. And 
that she became a little bit more Americanized when she moved to America and started living here with the Avengers. And then, then now it's back a little bit because I think because of the turmoil that she's going through. But yeah. anyway, so in the end of the show, I don't really care if Mephisto shows up or not. By the end of this show, it's going to establish, like Gabe was just saying, the rest of phase four and potentially the fact that all of the world might be changed into the reality of her own making. I think they're using the loss of vision as the catalyst for this level of insanity from this character and that she's really just in the bubble grieving in the head in the hex grieving. And I think that by the end of the show, it will establish a lot of the multiverse elements as it already is with Evan Peters. Can't wait to see Hugh Jackman back. (laughs) (laughs) They could get him back if they needed to for something, but yeah, uh, Spider-Man 3 has had all these rumors about Tobey Maguire returning, Andrew Garfield returning as Spider-Man, and that they're all going to be in Spider-Man 3, and it's looking like yep, <laughs> that's going to happen. And also a lot of the villains from those movies with the, the those actors. Just this morning, there was a report that Willem Dafoe was spotted on set to reprise his role of Green yes. Goblin, yeah, which would be dope. <laughs> Let's go! I would love to see Spider-Man because Norman Osborn, he's a huge villain in the Marvel universe. I would love to see Willem Dafoe as Norman Osborn play a bigger part in the MCU. I don't think that will happen unless we hear another phone call from Tom Holland. Yeah. Another rumbling of Marvel and, and Sony tying the knot, but ultimately, yeah, it'll, I think it'll establish the phase four. I think phase four will be dealing with the events of WandaVision and then it'll move on to the next big bad, which I'm hoping is Dr. Doom. Those are my hopes and aspirations for the future of Marvel and the next three phases. Yeah, and then we know already that Elizabeth Olsen is in Australia filming uh, the next Doctor Strange movie right now. So she's going to be in the next Doctor Strange, which is entitled The Multiverse of Madness. It's directed by Sam Raimi, who's also the original director of the first three Spider-Man Tobey Maguire films. And they're going to be playing, I think, a lot of without that multiverse element and getting a lot of cameos and stuff in that movie. But also, I think I'm hoping that that movie is going to be wrapping up a lot of the reality altering, reality shifting stuff that has transpired and started with WandaVision here. Mm-hmm. So I think that will be sort of like the wrap up of that sort of spurt of the damage that Wanda will do with her reality altering powers. That's what I'm projecting. There's a plan. There's a master plan behind it all. Kevin Feige is probably the most, if not one of the most successful producers that's ever lived. And as long as he's alive and in control, we can trust that things are going to be hunky-dory. He is our only hope. (laughs) Feige 2024. We'll be back again after the show's done. (laughs) No. No? No. This is it? I don't think we need to, I think. Unless they blow you out of the water again. (laughs) <laughs> I think at this point that we can end the podcast. <laughs> I think we don't need to come back and talk about the series as a whole. I think it's been good enough consistently for the last five episodes that we can recommend it and say, if you care about the Marvel cinematic universe at all. And even if you don't, and even if you don't, the show is fun apart from the fact that it's a part of a larger whole. Yeah. So yeah, we'd recommend it. I keep asking Gabe to watch it with me, but he's too, <laughs> he's too much of a loner. It's so late. On a midnight? I do watch it at midnight on Thursday. The moment where Thursday becomes Friday. Well, it's been fun. Tune in next time.
logical gal in a small town locale. He's a hobby who's part machine.